Welcome to the evening episode of Honey in the Rock. We hope you've had a great day and we've got a great show ahead for you. Stick with us. This evening's episode is titled, The Stick of Deliverance is Also the Rod of Judgment. This episode will be focused on a study of Exodus chapter 8. Before we go any further, we'll begin with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your love. Lord, it is amazing to see that this same word which has freed us is the same word that will judge others. This name of Jesus Christ which has given us salvation and has given us healing and many of the promises in your Bible will judge others. Oh Lord, we thank you for your election and your grace towards us. Speak to us for the remainder of this episode in the name of their Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Up next, we shall listen to Exodus chapter 8. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. Chapter 8 And the Lord spake unto Moses, Go unto Pharaoh, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. And if thou refuse to let them go, behold, I will smite all thy borders with frogs, and the river shall bring forth frogs abundantly, which shall go up and come into thine house, and into thy bedchamber, and upon thy bed, and into the house of thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thine ovens, and into thy kneading troughs. And the frogs shall come up both on thee, and upon thy people, and upon all thy servants. And the Lord spake unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch forth thine hand with thy rod over the streams, over the rivers, and over the ponds, and cause frogs to come up upon the land of Egypt. And Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt, and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments, and brought up frogs upon the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron and said, Entreat the Lord, that he may take away the frogs from me and from my people. And I will let the people go, that they may do sacrifice unto the Lord. And Moses said unto Pharaoh, Glory over me. When shall I entreat for thee, and for thy servants, and for thy people, to destroy the frogs from thee and thy houses, that they may remain in the river only? And he said, Tomorrow. And he said, be it according to thy word, that thou mayest know that there is none like unto the Lord our God. And the frogs shall depart from thee, and from thy houses, and from thy servants, and from thy people. They shall remain in the river only. And Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh, and Moses cried unto the Lord because of the frogs which he had brought against Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and the frogs died out of the houses, out of the villages, and out of the fields. And they gathered them together upon heaps, and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was respite, he hardened his heart, and hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Say unto Aaron, Stretch out thy rod, and smite the dust of the land, that it may become lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And they did so. For Aaron stretched out his hand with his rod, and smote the dust of the earth, and it became lice in man and in beast. All the dust of the land became lice throughout all the land of Egypt. And the magicians did so with their enchantments to bring forth lice, but they could not. So there were lice upon man and upon beast. Then the magicians said unto Pharaoh, This is the finger of God. 
And Pharaoh's heart was hardened, and he hearkened not unto them as the Lord had said. And the Lord said unto Moses, Rise up early in the morning, and stand before Pharaoh. Lo, he cometh forth to the water, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Let my people go, that they may serve me. Else, if thou wilt not let my people go, behold, I will send swarms of flies upon thee, and upon thy servants, and upon thy people, and into thy houses, and the houses of the Egyptians shall be full of swarms of flies, and also the ground whereon they are. And I will sever in that day the land of Goshen, in which my people dwell, that no swarms of flies shall be there. To the end thou mayest know that I am the Lord in the midst of the earth, and I will put a division between my people and thy people. Tomorrow shall this sign be. And the Lord did so, and there came a grievous swarm of flies into the house of Pharaoh, and into his servants' houses, and into all the land of Egypt. The land was corrupted by reason of the swarm of flies. And Pharaoh called for Moses and for Aaron and said, Go ye, sacrifice to your God in the land. And Moses said, It is not meet so to do, for we shall sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians to the Lord our God. Lo, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians before their eyes, and will they not stone us? We will go three days' journey into the wilderness, and sacrifice to the Lord our God, as he shall command us. And Pharaoh said, I will let you go, that ye may sacrifice to the Lord your God in the wilderness. Only ye shall not go very far away. Entreat for me. And Moses said, Behold, I go out from me, and I will entreat the Lord that the swarms of flies may depart from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people, tomorrow. But let not Pharaoh deal deceitfully any more in not letting the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. And Moses went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses, and he removed the swarms of flies from Pharaoh, from his servants, and from his people. There remained not one. And Pharaoh hardened his heart at this time also, neither would he let the people go. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon preached by Reverend William Branham titled, This Great Servant Moses. We'll begin at paragraph 23 up to paragraph 26. This was preached in 1955 on January the 22nd. I trust you find it to be a blessing. And while he was down there, when Moses went in, he waved this stick across the rivers and they turned into blood. Then he waved them towards the skies and the sun went dark. And he, everywhere he put that stick before him, it was judgment. Judgment went before the stick because the stick was the judgment rod. You get it? Now when he wanted fleas, he raised this this uh, stick towards the air like that and sprinkle some dirt and as the dust flowed on, fleas come from everywhere. Judgment. Divine judgment. He brought fire out of heaven, lightning up on the earth, big hailstones and everything that killed the cattle and killed the Egyptians and everything else. Judgment. God's judgment before Moses. Now, as Moses went with the judgment stick before him, that same stick tonight to the church is Jesus Christ. 
If those Egyptians could have ever got that little simple stick out of Moses' hand, they'd have had him whipped. And when the, when the devil could ever get the deity out of the name of Jesus Christ, he's got the church whipped. But as the judgment stick went before Moses to take the judgment, to bring the judgment, so does the name of Jesus go before us to take our judgment. Stands our judgment of sickness. Stands our judgment of death. Stands our judgment of trouble. Take the name of Jesus with you as a shield from every care. When temptations round you gather, breathe that holy name in prayer. When sickness begins to gather, breathe that name of Jesus. What is it? It's God's representative of judgment. Christ already judged for your sins. Christ already judged for your temptations. Christ already judged for your sickness. See what I mean? It was God's judgment rod. And as long as that rod waved on, it was judgment. Moses that night, after leading the children of Israel out, and there come Pharaoh's army, the pillar of fire went down and hung between Pharaoh and pursuing army and Israel. It made light to Israel and darkness to Pharaoh and kept them apart. Amen. A go-between. Oh, I'm so glad today that he is our go-between. And sickness in between death and life, he's my go-between. He's the one that takes death in one hand and life in the other. He's that link that connects man to God. The go-between. And he come down as a go-between. And he made light on this side for Israel to march on and darkness to hold Pharaoh back. That same angel of God is in the church tonight. Giving light for the church to walk on and darkness for those who reject. We are children of the light. Amen. How can you see when you walk in darkness? You can't see. You don't know where you're going. But if you're in the light, and Christ is the light, and he's giving light to those believers while he was giving darkness to the unbelievers, he was showing a way of the path to the believers and a darkness and stumbling about to the unbelievers. Up next, we shall listen to a sermon preached by Reverend William Branham titled, Is Your Life Worthy of the Gospel? This was preached in 1963 on June the 30th in the evening. We'll begin at paragraph 86 up to paragraph 104. I trust you'll find it to be a blessing. I've got two young girls sitting here. I don't know what the outcome of them kids will be. I just pray for them. Kids today, I don't, you can't tell. I don't know. They're not immune from that. They've got to stand on their own two feet before Jesus Christ and give an answer. They can't go in on what, on, on what I believe and what their mother believes. I don't know what they do, but I actually believe at this hour, if them girls went out on the street with them kind of clothes on and a man insulted them and them kind of clothes, I don't believe if I had the opportunity, I could even condemn the man. That's right. I condemned the girls. They had no business doing that. Listen, if man thinks that, and they teach that man's no more than an animal, he come from the animal race, and look then, and you put him out there like 
you take the dog to the little female at certain times through the fences and everything else because the little female is in that condition. Hogs, cows, every other animal. And if we are animal life, which we are, the physical part. And then when a woman displays herself like that, she proves that she's the same thing the little dog is the same thing. Exactly. For she wouldn't be doing that. She knows nature teaches her that man's going to look at her. And the Bible said, Whosoever looketh upon a woman to lust after her has committed adultery with her already in his heart. That puts a testing time. And the devil pretties them women and strips them down and set them out there to give you a test. Man, turn your heads. These sons of God. Women, you dress like daughters of God. Don't answer for adultery yard today. If that woman, no matter how innocent, she might have never done nothing wrong. Never even had in her mind to do wrong. But when that sinner who looked upon that graceful form of that woman, knowing he's a male and female sex and, and one glands and one and male and the other, and that sinner's going to have to answer for it at the day of the judgment. Who did it? Who's guilty? Not him. You. There you are. Immoral. Look at this nation. It used to be when we, they had the knee-high dresses that the women wore, we had to send to Paris to get them. Today, Paris stands here to get them. It's got so filthy that Paris can't keep up with it. That's right. It's a whole... Why? Rejecting the gospel. Why? Paris didn't have it. It's 100% Catholicism. And the Protestants can't even get in there. Look at Billy Graham. I think there's only 600 Christians in all Paris. Out of the millions. 600 Christians. Protestants. That's not Holy Ghost filled. That's just absolutely Protestants. 600 of them out of the millions times millions. They didn't get the opportunity to reject it. But these people had the gospel. And when they get away from the message and the gospel that they've seen demonstrated, make fun of it because some old prostitute doctrine has weaved them around in some pastor standing in the pulpit thinking more of a dollar and a meal ticket than he does of the soul of people that he's preaching to. Amen. Right, that's what's done it. Now she leads the world. You remember not long ago in this tabernacle, I preached on a subject about 20 years ago. I'll show you the goddess of America and had the little flapper here sitting there with her. That's what it is. Now, they're even get it, they're getting what they've asked for. And they're going to get it. That's all. No, they won't believe it. No, sir. They let you know they are American citizens and they got a right to, to function any way they want to. I just wish. Let me tell you. I'll tell you now. No, sir, politics will never work. No, sir, democracy will never work. Amen. Democracy's rotten to the bone. Amen. If it could be run amongst a bunch of Christians, it would be fine. But when you put it out there in the world, it becomes all sails and no anchor. Amen. Exactly right. Look at here today. Anything can take place and there'll be just, anything, pull a few politics and it'll get by with murder. When I preached down there that night to try to save them two kids' life, <coughs> they're as guilty as guilty could be. Even that attorney got up behind me there, and he said, it's right. He said, I don't believe in taking the people's life. He said, if you'll notice on your criminal records, who is it that gets killed? Electric chairs and things. It's not the rich. 
He can afford to get him a lawyer and some pull some dirty tricks and some wheelchair and some over here and bribe the thing. He said, it's poor kids like that. It ain't got enough money to buy them a decent meal. That's the kind of guessing. That's the kind of electrocute. Somebody is a, like they call a bunch of ignorant people and they just hold up their name of capital punishment. I said the first murder was ever committed in the world. One brother killed another. God did not take his life for it. He put a mark on him that nobody should take his life. Right. That's the supreme judge. Now, see, they took the sentence off of him. Now they're going to get another trial. Of course, they'll get life now, which will be 11 years and maybe stand for parole. They're guilty. Certainly they're guilty. They ought to be set to penitentiary for a lifetime, but not their life. Take, no man has a right to take another man's life. No, sir. I don't believe in it. No, indeed. Oh, they say, well, they don't believe that they're out of the will of the Lord because that's all they know about and all they want to hear about. They turned an ear against the truth, and there. Neither did Egypt want to know that that bunch of holy rollers down there was the will of the Lord. How they want to know that some crazy man come in there from the wilderness with whiskers hanging down like this and said, Pharaoh, I come in the name of the Lord. Turn them children loose. Pharaoh would say, Who? Me? <laughs> Throw him out. <laughs> See? Me? If you don't do it, the Lord's God's going to smite this nation. The old, the old crank. Turn him out somewhere, let him go. All the sons kind of baked his mind. See? But it brought judgment. Because the man was a prophet and had thus saith the Lord. Exactly right. They didn't want to believe it. Rome didn't want to believe it either. But it happened just the same. Israel didn't want to believe it. That was the Messiah. How could they bunch a bunch of Galileans and aren't all, all these Galileans? Where did they come from? What kind of a crowd does he go with? The very poorest that can be got together. That's the crowd he associates with. That's who comes to hear him. It's the poor people. They're people that don't know nothing. They're not elected. They're not, they're not the intellectual type that we are. They're a poor bunch. You heard say about the revival in this day. What kind of crowd hears them? What kind of goes to these meetings? What kind of people are they? I heard a fellow say not long ago, well, he was kind of a, he was hope stepfather. And I was telling him about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. He said, now, who would believe a thing like that? That's some kind of a bunch like you got up there. He said, you let so-and-so a businessman, you're the town, a wicked is all God. Let him say that he received the Holy Ghost, then I'd believe it. I said, don't worry, he'll never say it. The man died instantly without God. Be careful what you're doing. Be careful what you're saying. You want a life worthy of the gospel. That's right. As we get towards the end of this episode, we end with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words of truth. We thank you for election, how you chose us, even though, Lord, we did not even deserve it. Father, we pray, may you help us to live a life that's worthy of this gospel that is returning the hearts of the children to the fathers. We thank you, Lord. Give us a deep desire and yearning for more and more of your word that we might continue to drink of that inexhaustible fountain of life and continue to push out and push out the fruits of repentance. For as you said, the branch that does not bear fruit will be hewn and cast into the fire. May that be found not to be our testimony. In the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
Thanks for listening to Honey in the Rock, your daily dose of inspiration and encouragement. We hope to continue to earn your viewership throughout the year as we read the Bible from cover to cover. To make this a better listening experience for you, would really appreciate your feedback. So please email us at honeyintherock2020 at gmail.com. We also have accounts on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So please follow us, share our pages, and subscribe. Now we'll leave you with the parting song. God richly bless you.
Steve.